I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Thursday. We are marching towards Friday. And I hope you're having a good one out there. We've got a lot of ground to cover in what is always the fastest 30 minutes in radio. You don't want to move anywhere, so unpack your lunch, uh, park your car, turn on your app, uh, get ready. We've got some uh, great insight to share with you today, and we're going to get right to it. Uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the things that are happening uh, in the world of politics as we get to Jason Perry in our second uh, segment today from the Hinckley Institute. And uh, But right off the bat, we want to get with uh, Joseph Grinney. Uh, I am a big fan of Joseph Grinney for a, a multitude of reasons. He's a best-selling author. Uh, if you haven't read the book Influencer uh, or Crucial Conversations, you should put that on your summer reading list uh, because it really addresses so many of the things that we need to really create positive change in our own lives, in our families, in our communities, in our country, uh, and really deal with some of the challenging and, and pressing problems. Uh, so I want to share with you, I had a chance to sit down with Joseph this morning uh, it'll be part of a Therefore What podcast coming up in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I wanted to share with uh, each of you as our listeners today uh, the some interesting things around this model of influence, how we can apply it. And he actually gives a really interesting example uh, in terms of dealing with AIDS uh, in uh, Thailand, uh, which is just a really interesting application of how we actually influence behavior in a positive way. So as always, it's great to have uh, Joseph Grinney uh, weighing in uh, to give us a, a little background in terms of why he has done what he has done. And then we also want to get to his latest project, uh, which is the Other Side Academy, which is just doing fantastic work in terms of getting people from prison uh, back into society and contributing in a really, really unique way. So Joseph Grinney. My enduring interest has been human change, which ultimately and maybe inevitably brought me to the Other Side Academy, of course, too. But change in terms of habits, behavior. And so I, I've, I've wondered for, for decades, you know, what, what do we know in the social sciences about how to create rapid, profound, sustainable behavior change? And I think one of the reasons it's such an urgent topic for all of us is that most of the social problems that we all lament are ultimately problems of behavior. We often try to size them up as funding problems or policy problems or technology problems. But at the end of the day, it's a human being acting a certain way that either creates or solves the problems we have. 
And so at Vital Smarts, my, my colleagues and I have tried to, to ask what kind of body of knowledge has the social sciences accumulated that would help inform moms and dads, you know, mayors, presidents, business people about how to create the kind of rapid, profound, sustainable behavior change that we all need. Yeah. And so often we, we do just jump to, is it a funding problem? Is it a policy problem? Uh, it's a lot of the pointing fingers, placing blame. There's got to be a silver bullet somewhere. But what you found is that it's it's really about how do we influence that behavior. So how do we do that? Yeah, that's precisely right. So we, we spent these 30 years going across the planet trying to find people that actually are doing it. Yeah. People that are solving problems that you and I would think are completely insoluble. But they're doing it in a way that not only is effective and sustainable, it, it's also fairly fast. And so what we found is these influencers do three things better than everybody else. The first is they're clearer about what they're trying to achieve and how it will be measured than anyone else. Measurement is an influence strategy. When you're conscious of how you're doing and where you stand in relationship to your goal, it affects behavior. And so that clarity and that precision around measurement is critical. In the whole nonprofit world, we screw it all up because so often we're measuring activities rather than outcomes. Right. And so then we start paying attention to activities. You know, How many of these kits have we handed out? How many people have we served? Not, have we actually solved the problem that we intended? So that's number one. Number two is they're clear about what we call the vital behaviors. There, there usually are just a couple of behaviors that are most consequential in creating the change that we want. Mm -hmm. And unless you're clear on those, you end up kind of just doing big awareness campaigns. Right. You say, let's have everybody be aware that you know there's an opioid epidemic. Well, that's not going to solve the problem. People know that their brother or sister died of an overdose. What we need to know is what are the vital behaviors that allow this pernicious problem to persist or that could help pivot it? Yeah. And then the third, the last, is these people tend to understand that there are a host of sources of influence that shape human behavior. And they understand that you can't pick and choose between them. You have to get them all supporting the change. Mm -hmm. So parents who are listening today probably, you know, suffer uh, watching their children sit and play video games instead of doing their homework. Right. But few of us step back and say, all right, what are all the sources of influence in our home that make it inevitable that rather than pick up a book, they're going to pick up a joystick? Yeah. And usually we design our homes to do the very thing that we don't want the kids to be doing. <laughs> so these sources of influence that shape our behavior, when, when you start harnessing them in support of the change you're trying to create, change becomes almost inevitable. Yeah. I, I was thinking through the design of my home as you were talking about <laughs> some of those. It was like, yeah, the TV is the center point of Bingo. the room. It's yeah. the center point of the, the basement activity. And it becomes the social place, too. Yeah. So we congregate there and we have social experiences. And so it becomes the magnet, of course. Yeah. Interesting. Let's look at some bigger picture changes that you've uh, noted in, in some of your, your books and, and your work. Give us an, an example of, of an area where the change seemed impossible, but by going through and applying these kinds of principles, change actually was doable. Well, what, one of the most remarkable to me was in Thailand. The AIDS epidemic was raging out of control in Thailand and taking many, many lives. And, and uh, it was expected to be probably the most infected country in the world within just a few years when a guy by the name of Dr. Wiwat Rojanapithayakorn Say that 10 times. Thank you fast. very much. Yeah. <laughs> he came well on the scene. And, and, and here's the beginning of change. The beginning of change is when, when somebody like him who has a, a, a really strong pedigree in the medical sciences starts reading 
realizing this isn't ultimately just a medical science problem. It's also a social science problem. Mm. This is about human behavior. Right. And he started thinking about it that way, not just as an awareness problem, but are there a few just very vital behaviors that need to change for this epidemic to, to be stemmed? Not only was he successful, they reduced the number of new AIDS infections across the entire country, 60 million people changing their behavior, if you want to get your head around that. Within about a year and a half, they dropped the number of new infections by 88% Mm. and then sustained that kind of change. And so that's what brought us to Thailand to say, all right, how does this guy think about that? Yeah. 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 How do you you even take a problem like that apart and create that kind of scale of change? And and how could that help me when I've got five teenagers, you know, or whatever else (laughs) is going on in my life? He does it exactly the way we described. Number one. He started not just measuring, you know, how many condoms have we distributed and and so forth, but he starts to ask himself the results question. The result is, how many new infections are there? And do we have a measurement strategy across the country that's calling attention to this and that's keeping our minds focused on it? Well, that took some work to say, do we have a good reporting strategy? And are we rolling this up together? Do we, know, do we know district by district? Because if you're trying to create change and you can't measure whether or not your interventions are succeeding or failing, right. you can't improve. Yeah. So that begins it. The second is he starts to look at the vital behaviors. Well, it turns out that, that condom use uh, is one of the biggies. Abstinence uh, before marriage is one of the biggies as well. And, and so they, they start to realize that, that because of the rampant sex trade in mm-hmm. Thailand, that one of the primary vectors for transmitting the disease was through there. Right. And so you've got many times these exploited women that are drawn into that industry uh, who are exposed to these enormous risks because the clientele, if you want to call them that, right. um, that, that are coming in or demanding that a condom not be used. So one of the primary focuses of Dr. Wewa was to say, can we create an influence strategy that protects these women mm. and that interrupts that transmission vehicle? Yeah. And that primarily got down to them learning to have crucial conversations, yeah. them being able to say no and hold a standard and hold a boundary and also to create enforcement and accountability at the level of these uh, of the brothels, frankly, yeah. where a lot of this activity was taking place. And so as that began to become the focus, they then moved to the next step, which is how do you get all six sources of influence supporting this? How do you get social influence? How do you increase skills? How do you make sure that there's moral clarity about what's going on? How do you make sure supplies and resources and tools are available so that these behaviors can occur? So piece by piece, he iterated through this, and literally within an 18-month period of time, condom use goes up, number of new AIDS infections declines. They start also to, to interrupt this permissive psychology that was uh, mm-hmm. in the environment about the trade, and, and remarkable change happened. It's estimated that Dr. Wewat was responsible directly for helping save over 5 million lives Wow! just in Thailand, and then it began to spread to other countries. All right, so that's my uh, interview with Joseph Grinney uh, earlier today, and uh, so interesting. You can, you can apply these areas of, of influence, uh, whether that's dealing with uh, gun violence and, and violence in our schools, whether it's your uh, weight and, and diet and exercise program, uh, they, they apply to so many different things where if we just get back to the principles uh, of influence, uh, the, the behavior changes become much more natural and much more sustainable and they happen much faster. Uh, but it's so important that we get more clear about what we're trying to, to achieve. We need to be more clear about what the vital behaviors are. And then we have to understand all of those sources of influence uh, is really critical. And uh, we'll we'll talk about this another day, the, uh, the work that Joseph and his team are doing over at the uh, Other Side Academy, uh, which is just an extraordinary organization 
skills-based program helping people really go. These are folks who have been in and out of prison uh, who are now uh, leading just extraordinary lives, doing some amazing things. Uh, So we'll continue that conversation with Joseph in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, When we come back, we will be joined by the Hinckley Institute's Jason Perry, talking civics in school, and uh, we'll, of course, tap into his vast knowledge of what's happening in all things politics. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.